Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on Sicko Saturday Night. That's right. Chip Patterson took the weekend off. He's not here. It's just me, Tom Fernelli, and Bud Elliott, and we are running the ship tonight. And trust me, you heard the ad read we did before the show began. This one can go anywhere. <laughs> but, but how you doing tonight? It was a pretty, pretty straightforward kind of Saturday in college football, and it turns out everybody sucks. True to four, man. Great, great job, uh, Chip. Just skipping out on, on on today Saturday. Didn't really miss anything important at all. Only had a couple ranked upsets, and uh, everybody just went swimmingly. Uh, the, the box score read just fine in the paper tomorrow. Looks like it's just an easy, you know, a little tighter. I mean, I mean, just you know, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like some yeah. truths and fears were confirmed today, and we will get to all of them as the show goes on. But one of the things I think we should start with. A fear that was confirmed is uh, Joe Milton, not really the greatest replacement for Hendon Hooker in that Tennessee went on the road, number 11, one of the two teams to lose this week that was ranked. They went to the Swamp. They lost 29 to 16. It was kind of a strange game in that Florida caught a couple breaks in the second quarter. Things steamrolled. But overall, I wasn't really impressed with either one of these teams. I, I was impressed that Florida went out and executed its game plan that it needed to execute to win the ball game. Right? It doesn't mean that Florida looked great, but I thought that Florida played about as well as Florida could play, especially with Wilson, you know, go, going out early in the ball game, and it was pretty clear they were trying to target him because he had five catches on on the first drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, Florida, we talked about this, Tom. Time of possession, holding on to the football, making Tennessee antsy, kind of. Get, get get Tennessee a little jittery, right? And and just see how Tennessee reacts. Florida held the ball for 22 minutes in the first half of this ball game. Seven of eight on third downs in the first half. And it looked they they were physical with the run game. Did they hit explosive stuff? No, they didn't have a pass of over 20 yards. They had one run over 20 yards. It was a great run, 62 yarder out the gate, and really kind of kind of changed the game because on Tennessee's first possession, it was like. Zoom. Mm-hmm. Real, real quick, easy score, and you're like, oh man, that's uh, that that's looking tough there. 
but they were more they were largely more disciplined than Tennessee. They did a better job of executing their game plan. And I think we had a pretty good idea that Tennessee's game pl- or that Florida's game plan was never going to be pretty if they were going to win this game. Like Florida is not going to be pretty. They want to just rock fight you. And they drug Tennessee down into the muck. Yeah, Graham Mertz was like living in his Big Ten West days all over again because his final stat line is just hilarious. He was 19 of 24 for 166 yards with a touchdown. So he completed 79% of his passes while averaging just 8.7 yards per completion, not attempt, per completion. It was a, yeah, I I agree with you. Florida did do a very good job of just kind of controlling the line of scrimmage, controlling the clock. And I think that is one thing that when you looked at Tennessee's defense the first few weeks, like it was very good. And tonight you saw once it went up against another, you know, some competition that, you know, Virginia has looked really bad. So I don't really want to take too much from what we saw that first game, but they faced some equal level competition tonight. Florida was able to kind of beat them up a little bit on the lines and it still looked more like the Tennessee defense we saw last year, but like not really giving up the explosive plays, but also not showing the ability to get off the field when they had to and allow Florida to kind of take the air out of the ball. And then when Tennessee did have it, it felt like they were chasing. It felt like they were nervous. And Joe Milton just, it is, it is an interesting experience in that there are times where Joe Milton throws a pass that is gorgeous. Like it is perfectly placed on time in the right spot. and It works. And then there's the pass that's 10 yards behind his receiver that's causing him to slip and fall as he's trying his best to defy physics and stop to come back to it, where he's overthrowing his target by 10 yards. It's just, it's kind of a roller coaster ride that Tennessee is going to have to manage. And when they play better competition, it's going to be tough for him to do it. The chat wants to know if we will apologize to overreacting to Florida's loss at Utah. Uh, no, you lost no. A, a backup quarterback slash third string quarterback who really a third stringer who got benched in favor of a guy running modified wildcat uh, at, at Baylor. So, uh, no, we won't. I, I thought that Milton was not good, and, and that's like, duh. But it, I thought the way – he just never really seemed comfortable there. Right? And he wasn't necessarily throwing it to the wrong read. Like, it seemed like he was usually making the right read. Florida did some interesting shifting late stuff that maybe tried to muddle that a little bit. UF did not blitz him as much as I thought they would. Like, they think they really tried to protect after that first drive. Because the first drive they did come at, and he just, easy flick, fade away, right? Mm-hmm. And they were able to kind of, I don't say light box it, but like their big guys up front, they didn't have a lot of tackles for loss. I think only three or four on the night. But, Tom, they did a nice job of bottling up the run game for the most part, right? And just saying, okay, Tennessee, the numbers say run it. Um Go ahead and try. We got a lot of beef up front. And I think they really did a nice job making up for that. And they compressed the pocket and kept Milton in there. No, I don't think we need to apologize for the way we felt about Florida after that Utah loss because that loss did happen and it was not a good loss. But based on what you saw tonight, I mean, they're now 1-0 in the SEC. Does your expectation for what Florida can do this season change based after what we saw the first couple of weeks compared to what we saw today? Um, maybe by a game, I guess, because I, I had Florida making a bowl. So mm-hmm. they get this one, they lose to Utah. That's a little better than I thought they would do. So yeah, I, I, I think kind of seven and five, maybe best case eight and four uh, is in play, but what, what happens if you run really good and you get some good breaks, right? Like 
Do I think they'll beat Georgia? No. Would I like Georgia to play well at some point this season? Yes. That would be good. Well, I know we'll get to that. <laughs> Kentucky doesn't look unbeatable. Obviously, South Carolina really can't block. We, we, we found that out. So, yeah, I, Missouri looks a little, bit, a little better than people think. Yeah, because this is what I'm looking at right now. Like, they get Charlotte next, which they're going to win. Around the road against Kentucky that, you know, look, look, <clears throat> looked apart tonight against, you know, in its game, but still not exactly the most intimidating team I've seen. Vandy lost to UNLV. South Carolina lost to Georgia, although they did play. They kept it close, but I mean, by that point, Spencer Rattler could be dead by the time that game rolls around with the hits he's taking on a weekly basis. So I feel like before they get to November, like this is a team that could get hot and reel off a lot of wins before that Georgia game. So I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think this is this is a bowl team. I do think this is a team that, especially now with this win over Tennessee, like they could finish in second place in this division. You don't know. As far as Tennessee, though, uh, I mean, I, I had taken the under on them. What was it, nine and a half in the preseason? Yeah, nine and a half was definitely an under. Yeah, I, I'm feeling really good about that right now. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this is they, they've got UTSA next week. They still get South Carolina, but they've got A&M. They're at Alabama, at Kentucky, at Mizzou, Georgia, Vandy. I mean, they're going to win some of those games, but I just – Based on what I saw today, like the odds of them beating Alabama, even as bad as Alabama has looked, I don't know how confident I am in them go to Tuscaloosa and win that game at this point. Georgia, I don't know how confident I am there. I don't even know if I'm that confident with them against Texas A&M at home right now. I generally agree uh, with, with, with all of that. I, I will say Texas A&M secondary looks looks terrible again. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe we'll figure that out. Yeah, Tennessee. I think you've got to ask the question: like, what? When do they want to go ahead and, and and flip the switch and go Nico, or do they really believe in Milton? Like, you, we we can say he's making the right reads, and I I think they're right. But are the feet happy in the pocket? Is he does he look comfortable back there leading the offense? Does the offense stay in rhythm with him? Not really. And I, I know they've had a lot of problems, like tons of drops this year too. So I, I get that, but. Yeah, man. Like this is not. Uh, um, it's just it doesn't look super smooth. Yeah, that's the thing. Like they, there's there's not that non-con runway that's still left really for them to kind of figure this out. It's like now you're zero one in the SEC and you've got UTSA next week, which you know didn't look great on Friday night. But I don't know if that's a game you want to be throwing Nico out for right away. Agreed. Uh, I will say this uh, to the point of like Florida can go on a nice run. They can, but they can't have the self-inflicted stuff they had against Utah. Like they have to, they're a very like low margin for error team because of so far. And if they change this, then then my expectations change. But because of the lack of explosiveness so far on offense, they really can't have you know turnovers, penalties, things like that. Like they have to be super clean, which tonight they largely were. And who knows? There might be some suspensions coming for the uh, shenanigans. At the end of this game, punches were thrown. I'm going oh, to really? guess. We, oh, yeah. I'm going to guess we're going to see some suspensions. I don't know how many, but the SEC officials in the, the league will be looking at some film over the next 24 hours, I'm sure. By both teams or? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, there was, there, there was some timeout shenanigans. Like Florida called the timeout to get into the victory formation. Tennessee called the timeout to force them to run another play. And then on the kneel down, there was a late hit on Mertz, and then everybody cleared. Punches were thrown. Just, you know, rivalry, rivalry, and good stuff. The kind of stuff you want to see. Hmm. Uh, 
sticking in the SEC East, that's where the other big loss came as far as ranked teams are concerned. Missouri, look at you. You're 3-0. and You're taking down the defending Big 12 champion with a 61-yard field goal from the thick Harrison Mevis to finish the game to win 30-27. to We, we kind of talked about this on the uh, on the locks pot on Thursday because there was some weird line movement in this game and it's kind of you know it was I know Chip was confused by it I don't think he's as confused anymore because Missouri like Luther Burden was fantastic in this game had a huge game Brady was cooking like Mizzou looked good Dennis Dodd talked to Eli Drinkwitz after the game interviewed him and he said you know is this the biggest win of your tenure at Missouri and Eli deflected the question and said it's not about him but I think Dennis is right I can't think of a bigger win than Eli has had so far no and this is the kind of win that you really hope to have if if you're Missouri I mean I I don't know who Missouri gets from the west this year but like why why can't Missouri finish second in the east right maybe maybe they can Who, who knows this was a this was probably the most fun game of the day yeah honestly like we're currently watching Colorado, Colorado State, which it's certainly possible that could be more fun. We've had two like fumble return or pick six type scores. And we've already had like, a little, little miniature fight. And yeah, uh, this was so fun, though, because like you had you had the tackles for loss, right? I mean, you, you, you had like both defensive lines playing really well. And then you had a lot of really well schemed up explosive plays for both teams. Man, I, I'm, I'm looking here. I mean, Kansas State had like 200 something yards of explosive plays. Missouri had like 250 yards of explosive passing. They mm-hmm. Luther Burden was an absolute beast, and uh, I mean, relatively low turnovers in this thing. It was just, it was like, okay, they're backed up. Oh, look at that! They schemed the guy open again. Like that was, that was pretty, pretty fun to watch. And I, I really, I enjoyed watching that one. To be honest, I. Look, Brady Cook throwing for 356 is not something that I had on my bingo card. No. <laughs> but if they were going to win, it was going to be that because you're pretty confident they weren't going to run on that defensive front of Kansas State. I don't know that Kansas State's you know secondary is all that great. I do think its defensive front is really good. I mean, they had eight tackles for loss in 64 Missouri plays, which is pretty solid. Uh, Missouri also did a, a fairly decent job of cashing in their opportunities inside the red zone most of their trips not all but this was a a pretty evenly played game you know and and a, a really good one uh, if they play it again i mean it's still kind of a coin flip mm-hmm. right uh if, if you play it in, in in manhattan kansas i think you're you're probably picking picking uh, kansas state but that's why they can do the home and home so i was excited man this was this was a really fun watch yes yeah, it's a big win for mizzou everybody should feel happy about it nobody not many people saw it coming but there were some warning signs in this game. Like like you said, they could not run the ball in this game. They only averaged 2.6 yards per attempt. It was like those big explosion plays through the passing game from Brady Cook to Luther Burden, which I think Luther Burden is capable of that against most anybody. I don't know if I believe Brady Cook is capable of that against everybody. And the other thing to worry about, too, Kansas State had eight tackles for loss. Like, they were beating up on that Mizzou offensive line quite a bit. It's just Mizzou was landing the haymakers when they had the opportunity to and took advantage of it. But going forward, because they do have games, let's see, from the West, you mentioned it, they get LSU and Arkansas. They can beat Arkansas on the road, but that's tough, and it finishes the season. LSU, I don't know. So I think that offensive line needs to get some stuff together if it's going to be able to, you know, if they're going to be able to maintain that momentum and kind of finish second in the SEC East or at least compete for it. But, man, right now, 
you're three and zero. You got to win over a top fifteen team. And there's a very good chance that when the polls come out on Sunday, Missouri's going to be in it. So it's really hard to you know. You, you, there's no point. There's no point to worrying right now. If you're a Missouri fan, you should be happy. And uh, speaking of the AP poll, coming up on the other side of the break. We're going to go into a little discussion about what that poll might look like and what some of the other teams in the poll who didn't lose won. Did they deserve to win? Next. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, welcome back, bud. I'm going to give this, I'm going to give you the choice. This is Bud's choice here. We're going to look at the teams right. in the top five. All right, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Texas, and USC was off, so they don't count. But those other four teams all play today. Which one do you want to talk about first? Because I feel like there's a lot we have to discuss about all of them. Chat's going to call me out for it if I don't talk Florida State first. Right? They're, they're, they're going to think I'm ducking it. And here's the deal. You start slow. Thomas Castellanos and Boston College played their ass off. You got to give them a lot of credit for that. I know Florida State had the flu. I don't. You know, like whatever. That that's that's kind of an excuse, I think, when you have that level of talent. You're still up, what, thirty-one to sixteen with ten minutes left in the ball game. Basically, Tom, they had like eleven plays that went for three hundred fifty-eight yards. Boston College did, and they were mm-hmm. almost all like scramble. Thomas, uh, like taking off from the pocket, scramble. One four state had a corner blitz and on on a you know wet field because they had a hurricane. Guy falls down, and obviously, like, if you don't get there and you fall down, the coverage is going to fall apart. And then, um, like, it was crazy. Like, Florida State played terrible scramble defense, and, and they, fa- like, failed to compress the pocket very well. Offensively, they really couldn't run it at all, honestly. Uh, they, they, I mean, some, but not, not enough. And yet they're still up because they're still a pretty good team on the road in a, 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 a letdown spot type thing or look ahead spot, whatever you want to say. Boston College, I thought, played better than they did relative to their talent level. That's pretty clear. And they got the final stop when they needed it. Uh, BC got a uh, fumbled kickoff and a uh, fumble return for touchdown in like a 10-minute span to make it uh, make it pretty puckering there uh, down the stretch. But they they survive. You got you to have a couple of these if you're going to go try to make the playoff or win something big. Uh, Boston College did ha- have 18 penalties, which was kind of nuts. <laughs> yes, including one that pretty much killed their chance at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that was wild. Um, they survived. Did Keon Coleman play? <laughs> he did play some. <laughs> he he, he didn't have any catches. Yeah, yeah. I we'll see. 
we'll see how this goes against Clemson. I, I think Travis will be encouraged to take some more of the checkdowns as opposed to just trying to bomb it all over the place. But well, the scariest moment of this game, I think, was Jordan Travis injuring what appeared to be oh. his left shoulder. Yeah. Is there any I, concern about that going forward? I mean, he's always – how do I say this? Travis is always kind of banged up, it feels like. I mean, mm-hmm. he, you know, he, he, he looked like he had a really bad one last year at Louisville and, and ended up – he did miss the rest of the game. And we're like, okay, what is this, like a couple weaker? And ultimately, he was uh, fine thereafter, right? And, and they, they, they did beat Louisville. So I, I would be shocked if he doesn't play against Clemson. There, there are always some guys who like are always a little nicked up and they could play through it, but they want you to know they're nicked up. Is, yeah. is, is Jordan one of those guys? Uh, it could be. I, I, I don't, but like, I mean, they're, they're it's legit like grimacing, hits. like, oh man. <laughs> there are legit hits. Touchdown, Colorado State, by the way. Mm hmm. Um, this could be a really good game. Like I was not planning to stay up for this if they if Colorado was going to blow them out, but if this is actually a good game, I'm going to stay up. Maybe Colorado made a mistake talking all that crap, waking Colorado State up. Um, moving on to another top three game, Georgia won twenty four to fourteen at home against South Carolina, but trailed fourteen to six at halftime, and like. They got away with it, obviously. Their first two games against Tennessee Martin and Ball State, they won by a combined score of 93 to 10. They were going to win those games, you know, half asleep. It never really mattered. This was the first time where Georgia was playing a team that you didn't expect to beat them, but you thought that, like, they'd have to show up from the start to at least put them away. And they just looked very eh in the first half before they finally turned it on in the second half. And it makes me wonder, like, is Georgia just looking at its regular season schedule the same way we are? Like, yeah, we can cruise through this. We don't really have to try that hard. Cause like Javon Bullard was dressed before the game. It looked like, you know, he was warming up and everything with the team. It looked like he was going to play. Didn't play. He, he, he stayed on the sideline in his uniform the entire time. Lad McConkey sat out again. Amarius Mims suffered a kind of an injury in the first half. It looked like his left foot or ankle. He was on crutches on the sideline in the second half. Kendall Hinton suffered a knee injury at some point in the game, never came back. They were able to put it on South Carolina in the second half because, again, South Carolina's offensive line played well early, but just couldn't hold up against that defensive front. Spencer Rattler was taking shot after shot after shot running for his life, and just there was no hope for them in the second half. But do you have any concern about this Georgia team playing the way it played today? Like, is there anybody on the schedule that could catch it napping? I I have some concern about Georgia. Yeah. Like they, the offense doesn't look like it's clicking. Amarius Mims, their stud tackle, uh, was on the sidelines with his shoulder pads off. So I, I don't know what, what his injury is. They don't seem to be dynamic at running back right now due to injury. The pass game isn't really, um, isn't really clicking. And defensively, look, Georgia is very good defensively still. It is fair to ask, like, who are the the like the absolute game wreckers up front for Georgia? Like Stackhouse and, and, and Zion are good players. And like one's probably like a top, I don't know, hundred pick, and the other's probably gonna be picked, but they're not like a like There's we've no seen with Jalen Carter's Carter. team, yeah. Yeah. So I but I still expected, given what, what North Carolina has, by the way, North Carolina won tackle for loss today, I believe against Maryland, still won the game. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, given what North Carolina did to this offensive line, I did expect Georgia to wreck this offensive line. And they, South Carolina, to, to their credit, had a good plan for avoiding some of it. Rattler had a lot of balls thrown away, obviously, which you know helps. But and they put up a lot of fight. Like that's a valiant effort by the Gamecocks. And I do have some concerns about Georgia. Now, is anybody out there that can actually take advantage of this? McCarthy didn't look good, very good tonight for Michigan. Are we buying that Oklahoma is really good, or have they just played a couple very bad teams? Texas, we'll get there. Maybe we should get there right now. I don't know. <laughs> I will say, like last week, South Carolina gives up seven tackles for loss against Furman. Today, they gave up seven tackles for loss against Georgia. So even though the number is the same, I feel like that's a step in the right direction. I will also say Spencer Rattler is... I there I, I wrote about this afterwards. I don't know if there's a player I've done a bigger 180 on as far as my feelings towards him because I I I won't I won't be shy. I haven't been a big Rattler fan when he was at Oklahoma. Didn't think he was that good. I thought he was kind of selfish, which you know I didn't like the way he handled the whole Caleb Williams situation. And then he left, and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. After seeing what he's been doing at South Carolina, where he was like today in particular, standing in the pocket, knowing he was about to get absolutely destroyed and staying there anyway, just to get the pass off to at least give his team a chance to win this game. And the fact that he kept doing it over and over again, even when it became kind of, you know, obvious South Carolina was not going to win this game. Complete 180. That is not a selfish player. That is a dude who really was trying to help his team win a game. So I mean, I, I don't know if there's an award for it or whatever, but I just think if you're a South Carolina fan, you should be really grateful for Spencer Rattler. And I also know there were a lot of NFL scouts at that game today, and they saw him standing in the pocket, and they yeah. saw him taking those hits, and that is going to work very much in his favor when it comes time to the evaluation process for the draft next spring. So shout out to Spencer. F- fact or fiction? Spencer Rattler will be the highest drafted quarterback from the SEC in this upcoming draft. Ooh. I think fact. I think so too. Some of the throws he made under duress, he hit the key. He moves better in the pocket. Not that there was much of a pocket at times. Uh, I I think he's the first guy. I think he's the first quarterback drafted. You know who won't have a quarterback drafted in in the draft this spring? Our producer, (laughs) (laughs) Alabama. Um. Oh my God. So Alabama won. So that's the good news. They rebounded from the 10-point loss at home to Texas by going to Tampa and taking care of South Florida, holding them to only three points. It was a great performance defensively. The problem is, offensively, Alabama scored 17 points, had two or finished with 310 yards of offense, averaged 4.8 yards per play. Ty Buckner started. After he started 5 of 14 for 34 yards, Nick Saban said, you know what? Let's get this guy out of here and try Ty Simpson. Ty Simpson went five of nine for 73 yards, which is better than Buckner. But uh, is Jalen Milrow going to be starting for Alabama again next week? Uh, he could. Uh, uh, all right. I, I, I know we didn't have a lot of time to pull the tape on this. For Monday, we should pull the tape where we go back and ask the question, wait, they went and took Tyler Buckner? Like, what does that say about their existing quarterback room that they went and took Tyler Buckner? Because the chat told us all he took him for depth, which – Look, when Milrow won the starting job, the chat looked right. Then Milrow got benched. Uh, man. What we can say is they don't have a quarterback you, you can win high-level games with. I don't like. Can you beat Ole Miss? Possibly, yeah. It's, it's a home game in Tuscaloosa. You're still a really nice defensive front. 
Ole Miss, I know they scored a billion points tonight, but it did not come easy. I mean, they were they were uh, very, very low scoring for quite some time. And Georgia Tech's defensive line is not good at all. So uh, the fact that they were giving, giving them problems. But, Tom, I mean, nothing's in rhythm. They They don't look... They don't look smooth at all. They don't look well coordinated. Like I'm not trying to take a shot at Tommy Reese, but just it's so far very rough start. Yeah, like they failed to get this thing to a passable level. The 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 game plan against Texas, obviously not involving Milrose legs more. Now, granted, Texas was essentially daring him to throw the ball anywhere between the hashes, but that's I mean that's a thing, man. So listen, I I defended Tommy a lot at Notre Dame. I I've got no defense for what's happening at Alabama right now. It's it's just a mess. It yeah. is, an, and they've got to get it figured out because I mean, this is a team. Like I I know they lost to Texas. They have not lost in the SEC yet. They can still win the conference. They can still get to the playoffs. So they still have plenty to play for. But man, if they don't figure this out quick, they are not going to be playing for anything at the end of the year, except maybe like a you know a citrus bowl. Um. Is this Knicks last year, or do no. you not, do you want to save this to Monday? We could save it till Monday, but I don't think it is. I, I kind of think it is. Doing, uh... doing McAfee, some of the comments, the at like just smiling a lot. <laughs> I, I think I'm, he'll I'm, miss Pee Wee too much. I'm changing from Nick statement smiling because he knows he has something good to. Maybe he's just taking it all in, man. <laughs> he's savoring you know? the moment of his 17 to 3 win over South Florida. Uh, um, yeah. Another top five team struggled today for most of the game before taking over in the fourth quarter. And the best thing I could say about Texas is that this game was on the Longhorn Network, so neither of us were able to watch it. So we'll just assume it was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I could have got the laptop. And pulled out the Russian stream on this, but it, it never really got like super, super tight into the fourth. And it's like, all right, T- Texas probably because it was the backup quarterback for Wyoming. Peasley's hurt and didn't even start. So, what do you think's going on in those Russian streams? Considering what's going on in, in, with you know the actual war over there, you think there's probably like, like if you're watching the Texas Longhorns on a Russian stream, are you contributing in some way to something in like Ukraine? Like, you know, I don't know. See, that's right. I, I, I didn't want to, I, I don't want to contribute. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're keeping we're, we're, we believe in peace over here. We're boycott the long, but like for <laughs> Texas, wasn't this good that it was on Longhorn network? Yes. Oh yeah. And it's the last game ever on Longhorn network. So they went out yeah, with they, a bang winning 31 to 10. All right. So that'll segue into this next thing we should talk about here. New polls coming out tomorrow. The fact is, you know, the ranked teams were 24 games today. None of them were against one another. They went 22 and two. Nobody in the top 10 lost, even if they all looked kind of shaky for the most part, say for Washington, Penn State, Ohio State crushed Western Kentucky. We'll get to these games in specific later. We'll discuss them a little bit now. But do you see like what are your what are your predictions for major changes in the poll? Do you think Kansas State's going to fall all the way out from 15 to unranked after losing to Mizzou? Possibly. I, I I mean, somebody will have to fall out generally by the by the way that the poll works and the law of inertia. So, yeah, I, I guess Kansas State will fall out. Like, they have to find a way to put Missouri in. Missouri's undefeated and now has, has a ranked win over Kansas State. Like, that should be the, the biggest move that's made to me, right? Um, I don't see how you can't, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you? No, I, I, I think... 
I think Mizzou deserves to be ranked after that loss. The one thing I'm wondering, because I do think Tennessee will stay in, because I think that you know going from 11 to completely unranked for losing on the road to Florida is probably too big of a drop to expect. Although you never know, with only two teams losing, the voters might get itchy just to move, move some things around. But I do wonder if there's a chance, because Iowa scored 41 points today, and it won. But that's a very misleading 41 points because I think they threw for like 140 yards. And of their touchdown drives, three of the five were 35 yards or fewer. It was their defense once again giving them short fields. And I think Clemson, after being falling out of the pole last week, like they were dominant again today against Florida Atlantic. I wouldn't be shocked if Clemson just starts showing up on more polls and they take over for Iowa in the bottom of the rankings. I could see that. Um I, I do you think Bama's going to stay top 10? So that's another question too because I originally thought when Alabama struggled as much as they did against South Florida it's like oh they're going to drop again but then it's like you look behind them Tennessee was the team immediately behind them they yeah. lost Utah was at 12 they played Weber State and won but it's Weber State so you're not really going to reward them for that at third you know LSU was at 14 maybe LSU climbs to the top 10 although I think that's a little a little bit much for beating Mississippi State. And then at 13 was Oregon, which completely crushed Hawaii. So maybe Oregon climbs to the top 10. I, I don't know. But I, what I'm wondering, of the teams in the top 10, Washington looks like it has a legitimate case not to just be at number eight and to move up a spot or two. I feel like Washington has a legitimate case to be like a top three team. Like this is a, they beat they killed Michigan State today. Beat them 41 to 7. It was 35 to nothing at halftime. Michael Penix had over 350 yards and four touchdowns at the half. The list of names of guys who've done that in the last decade are Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, CJ Stroud, and Patrick Mahomes. It's a decent list to be on. This is a team that is dog walking everybody it faces. And I know Michigan State had to deal with all the Mel Tucker stuff this week. But for them to come in and just completely dominate the Spartans in their own stadium, I don't know if you could look at around the rest of the league, especially with how the other teams have looked kind of just blasé. I don't know if there's been a more impressive team in the country so far. I mean, look, I, I got to agree with you. I, I, I could sit here and say I think these were good matchups for them for the most part, especially Boise, just given what Boise is good and and not good at. Uh, but man, I I don't think Michigan State's DBs are terrible, and they 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 smoked them, and like that offense is really really good. You have to be able to get a pass rush with four against those guys because I don't think that is there a better trio of receivers in the country. Because no. Ohio State kind of reminded everybody today who one two is I I think, but uh, they're so hard to cover defensively. They have not faced a single decent passing game yet. I will point out like. Tulsa, no. Boise, definitely not. And Michigan State, again, I mean, like no passing game at all. So still some questions there, but like every test that they've been given so far, they've, they've got 100 on. Mm -hmm. so like you can't really say anything else about it, right? Like that, that's a test they haven't faced yet. I mean, real talk, they could have put up 60 tonight if they wanted to. Like they had the 35 at halftime. The second half, they had 304 yards. They ran 39 plays, but they handed it off 25 times. Like they were in very serious call off the dogs. Let's just get out of here and go home. They could have put up 60 on Michigan State. I know. Oh, uh, 
chat thinks that Michigan State's defensive backs are in fact terrible. So they're they're not. I wouldn't call them good. Like that secondary has been bad the last few years, but they play they play more of a bend but don't break style of defense where it's like they're willing to give up the 10-yard plays if they have to. It's just once they get to the red zone, they try to force you to put the field goals. But Michael Penix is like, yeah, I have these three receivers and I have this arm and I could just throw it over you. And that's exactly what he did, which is Michigan State, to be blunt, doesn't really see that very often in the Big Ten unless they're playing Ohio State. But they saw a lot of it today against Washington. And that is just, I don't know, man. It's The Pac-12 is really good. They're going to eat each other alive in the coming weeks. But right now, if you wanted to put Washington in your top three on your ballot, I would not argue with you. That's just kind of how I feel about this Husky squad. Can we rank Clemson? Yeah. Who falls out? Like like I said, I would take Iowa out for Clemson. I just think, I think what happened last week, like the voters are putting in their polls. They saw Clemson was struggling in the first half and they just kind of like, all right, well, I'm keeping them out because they lost to Duke last week. But, Clemson completely took that game over. Duke is now 3-0 and after just completely beating the crap out of Northwestern today. So it's like that loss doesn't look nearly as bad as maybe as it looked to them in the hearts of some of the voters early on. I just think that Clemson, for as bad as the result was against Duke, again, when you look at the box score and all that stuff, like Clemson was not nearly as bad as the score suggests in that game, and they've looked really good and like Clemson the last two weeks. And plus, they're just Clemson. So when you're putting your ballot together... <laughs> And you're getting to like that 2025 range. And you're like, oh, I haven't ranked Clemson yet. And they won by 40. I should probably put them here. And Duke is good. Mm-hmm. Like, just keep taking care of business. I No, guys, I that's not unfair to Iowa. I, Iowa is terrible. They're not terrible. Like, they could still win the West, but they're I mean, not that good. Like, the 41 points was very misleading. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll look up the stats here because I just, they all count. Well, That's, the tight end, the, the leg injury of the tight end, and I, I hope I'm wrong on this. But Lachey, it looks bad. Yeah. 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 He was in a boot on the sideline. That was not a good look for him going forward. But just all these points count for Brian Ferentz. So he's not going to give any of them back. But Iowa scored 41 points. Cade McNamara was nine of 19 for 103 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Nobody on the team had more than 34 yards receiving, and that was Eric All, who caught one pass for 34 yards. They ran the ball very well, which is nice because Iowa has kind of struggled to run the ball in recent years, and I think that's played a part in their offense struggling. But overall, like I said, of their five touchdown drives, three of them were 33 yards or fewer. It's not like the offense was just out there marching up and down the field today. It was Western Michigan. They had short fields. They took advantage. I guess fair. A lot of other good games to get to. We, we go on break or, or we let's we, let's go to break. We'll touch on right, the rest of these games coming up on either side. Uh, Mississippi State and Arkansas. Tell us more about how great your offense is going to be next. Maybe I don't know what to do with that tuss salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> it's calling again. All right. But <laughs> if, if you weren't watching live, you have absolutely no idea why I did that. <laughs> um. But I want to let you cook here because this was something you were talking about before we started the show. LSU 41, Mississippi State 14. And what was the final score? I just know Arkansas lost to BYU, which was not great. So anything you want to say? Yeah, uh, we, we can probably discuss a few of these things. Uh, Mississippi State, through three quarters, had a 15%, 15, 15% success rate. Mississippi State, you wanted this man ball. You got it. 
when you play man ball and you're the least resourced program in the division, this is what you get. You need to trick people at Mississippi State. You can't just out-toughness them. We saw that. That was called the Sylvester Crew era. Yep. See how, remember how that worked? Now, on the other hand, I do think Mississippi State's still a well-coached defense. Yeah. But it's very clear to me they, they now miss those DBs they lost to the NFL draft. Like, you can't just replace those every single year if you're not named like Bama or Georgia or Hell, sometimes Ohio State, and even then, recently, like like they they've had about a year or two down without him. Malik Neighbors, eleven targets, like two fifty something, eleven catches, thirteen targets, thirteen catches. Third, oh gosh, okay, so I I, I stopped sure counting at, at the third the quarter because I, I went I went to watch better games. <laughs> I, I I said like because I love the Mississippi State fan base because they really are, are a great fan base. I mean they they're under resourced like crazy compared to everybody else, and they root like hell. But my concern was that you hired a Will Muschamp clone. And to me, a Will Muschamp clone is a guy who should just be a D coordinator who doesn't get it. And like, yeah, man, like maybe you didn't get along with the Mike Leach staff. But, I mean, does this guy get a second year? There's no way they gave him a huge buyout, I assume, right? I doubt I, it. I, I, I mean, can you risk it? I, I'm not trying to call for somebody's job after 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 three games. I'm just asking, like based on what you've seen so far, that's a colossal error. Like they're probably going to to miss a bowl game now, and you, you shouldn't miss a bowl game with this roster. I think if you if you kept running the Mike Leach stuff, whether or not you got along with that staff, I think you at least make a like keep the bowl streak alive. So, I mean, uh, let's see. <laughs> Great job by LSU, by the way. Like to bounce yes. back. They looked organized. They looked like they were playing together and playing hard. Daniels looked composed and he wasn't like just trying to make every single throw. He, he took what was there. Like, we shouldn't wash over that. LSU looked really good. Can we talk about that targeting call though? Jaden Daniels. Oh, yeah. Scrambling. Runs and Jaden Daniels does this to himself a lot. He, I, I think he's got a fetish for just getting the crap knocked out of him once in a while. But he scrambles, he's running, he leaps into the air into the tackler. But Jaden Daniels leaps into the air, which then leads to the top of the Mississippi State defender's helmet hitting him. And the Mississippi State defender is called for targeting and ejected from the game because Jaden Daniels jumped into him. And I guess textbook rule. He did lean with the crown of the helmet, and that's targeting. But should none, no other part of the rule matter, like the context of the situation? I have no idea how he got thrown out for that. Yeah, I, I think Tom just wants to be able to take like like a long bathroom break here because he wants to get get me all all wound up on targeting. I, <laughs> look, targeting is just a, a it's a complete BS construct. It's not a real thing. Okay. If you've ever actually played football, like I know Tom has, you're, you're there are clearly like some kill shots out there, which yes. we should have addressed with the penalty that we had, which was called spearing, right? Other than that, you're just trying to make a hard tackle. Oftentimes the guy is ducking into you, or in this case, jumping into you, or sliding at the very last second from some BS, like trying to avail yourself of the protection of the sliding rule. When the uh, when the defender is already engaged in the motion of tackling, I'm a I'm a proponent, and I think you don't totally disagree with this. At least 
we do need to be able to review these things to judge intent of the tackling angle. If you're already into the tackle and the offensive player alters his path to bring him into where your helmet is, that's on him. If you're tackling a guy and you're trying to hit him in the nuts and he ducks down, oh, oh, oh helmet to helmet, man. Oh, targeting, you're gone. When instead mm-hmm. it's just this guy is, you know, like like he's, he's substituting one head for another and yet you're the one that gets penalized. That's to me like, yeah, I, I, all right, Tom's got me wound up on it, but. I let's let's you know what this boils down to. We fundamentally changed the sport because of some tweets. Yeah, people on Twitter were like, "This is dangerous. We have to do something." So they did something, and now they've completely derailed everything. No, it is like I get that you want to make the sport as safe as possible. It's football. There's always going to be an inherent danger when you're playing the sport. Everybody who goes onto the field understands that and they accept it when they get on there. And you're right. There are some hits you need to take out of the game and there are some hits that should be penalized. Things that defy physical laws that players are incapable of doing in this universe, at least the one that we're in, they should not be penalized for unless there was blatant intent to do it. And it just, it derails so much. It derails games. It derails seasons for some teams. It's just ridiculous. But moving on, we'll get off targeting. Arkansas became the latest SEC team to lose a non-conference game, losing to BYU. Now, here's a quick list of teams that the SEC has lost to in non-conference. Florida State, North Carolina, Utah, Wake Forest, Miami, Texas, UNLV, and now BYU. How concerned should Arkansas fans be right now? Fairly concerned because the offense still doesn't look good. You can tell me that you didn't like Kendall Bryles' play calling at times. You can tell me you don't like Kendall Bryles. Completely understand both of those. You can't tell me that you upgraded offensive coordinators here. Like, this does not look good. Jefferson, like, barely seven yards per attempt. That's that's not going to get it done. You need to spread it out. You need to run him more on design stuff. And... Uh, yeah, offensive line did not look amazing. Um, Arkansas D-line looked really, really good. This game was ba- was really kind of nuts, by the way. Mm-hmm. It had like 700 total yards of offense and 69 points. North Carolina, uh, Ole Miss, or North Carolina, Minnesota had like 840. <laughs> it had like multiple ridiculous turnovers. It... it what kind of odds would you give me that more than half of the SEC West jobs turn over this offseason? Oh, let's see. I mean, I feel like, like this is three and a half. Would you give me like five to one? Yeah, I'd probably go four to one. I, I, I mean, there was the report from Feldman this morning that Texas A&M boosters, they're willing That's to pony saying. up if Jimbo doesn't get things going. Thankfully, A&M pulled off the win today. But you look at the situation – LSU and Auburn aren't going to make changes. I don't think Ole Miss is going to make a change. Arkansas could, AM could, State could. And as you were talking about, if Saban's done at the end of the year, that could happen. I don't know. So it's like Lane could leave, Saban could retire. If one of those two things happen, then I definitely think you're going to see the over three and a half. Shout out to BYU for being absolutely in their bag, by the way. Off- <laughs> like offensive play calling. I mean, not good numbers. 281 total yards. Arkansas's defense. Nine tackles for loss in 57 plays. 
and yet BYU was able to scheme stuff up when they absolutely needed it. Like the those were some pretty fun. Like if you guys didn't watch this, like at least go back and watch. Like I know YouTube TV does the hey catch up on the key plays thing. Mm-hmm. Watch the key plays. I, I I thought BYU knew they were outgunned along lines of scrimmage, and uh, they they were able to dial it up and overcome that. It was a nice coaching job by Kalani Sitaki, and they got they got worked last year out in uh, in Provo. So, uh, how often do you, do you lose the 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 home game or the home and home? Both teams did. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. They did. Uh, yeah. Let's go. To, let's go to another game you touched on. Uh, North Carolina, Minnesota, like. What what do we like? They won. I watched all this. Board. Yeah. What what do we make of North Carolina? Because this team confuses the hell out of me. Okay, so they attempt to run the ball. They do so successfully sometimes. Drake May is still freaking awesome and threw for like I think almost five hundred today. So pretty pretty encouraging. Uh, he did have two picks. They just consistently move the ball because, like, he just gets. If you give him that many opportunities, he's gonna just eventually kill you. Um, Minnesota moved the ball somewhat effectively, actually, uh, and then Kaliak Manis had some kind of calf or cramp thing, and they put in this other kid. I forgot his name, Kramer. I think it is. Who's Cole the, Kramer? Yep. The, the broadcast said is essentially like a wildcat quarterback, and mm-hmm. damn sure if he didn't look it because he. <laughs> He immediately threw like one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see. Uh, uh, like completely double coverage, like lollipop. If he had shot at 500 and then head to the sideline, I couldn't have blamed him. The fact and, Minnesota's backup QB is basically just a running back should not come as a surprise no. to anybody who has watched Minnesota. <laughs> I, I, I had some over in this and I was like, okay, we're looking great. Like 31 points in the first half. This is good. You know, like they come out and move it in the second half. Solid. And that was Minnesota's last chance. That, that, that drive in which Kelly Manis got hurt and he came back in, but uh, it was never really the same. I, I don't, I think we learned some things like North Carolina's defense does not have to be torched in the back end. Uh, North Carolina did not have very many tackles for loss today, like one or two, I think, not, not mm-hmm. many. And yet they were still able to play passable defense and get the ball back enough for Drake May uh, to, to do what Drake May does. They're a good team. They're not amazing. They're a good team. I do I, I do worry though the defensive line did not look like they looked really yeah. good against South Carolina, but I think as we've gone on, we've kind of learned that's more of a South Carolina thing than a North Carolina deal. Yes. Up front, they didn't look overwhelming to me like they had in a couple weeks. And Minnesota does have a good offensive line, so it could just be they played well, but I don't know. That's a concern. Uh flying through the rest of the top twenty-five here. I'm just gonna say it. I'm going to make this proclamation. Luke Altmeyer might not be the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. Through four interceptions today against Penn State. Penn State beats Illinois 30 to 13. Um, Yeah, this was this was a very I mean, if you're Penn State, you should be pleased with this game because your defense was fantastic. Again, they forced five turnovers, including the four interceptions. But offensively, like this is Drew Aller's first road start. Chip kind of mentioned it on the locks pod. You know, they're probably going to be a little conservative. James Franklin tends to get conservative on the road. They were, but Drew Aller was 16 to 33 for 208 yards, 6.3 per attempt. You couldn't really run the ball that well. You got all these short fields against Illinois. 
and you never really had a chance to pull away. Like this was, they, they won by 17, but they realistically, given the turnovers, probably should have won this game by 35 points. Can't disagree with that. Um, we do think that Penn State's offense doesn't scare you at receiver still. No, and that offensive line, I'm sorry, it is not that good. Yeah. Like, like that is the one common theme when I've watched Penn State every week this season. I keep waiting for this offensive line to be incredible because, like, talent-wise, it should be. And it's just not. Like, Johnny Newton plays for Illinois, and I said this on Twitter, and I mean it a thousand percent. He is the best defensive lineman in the Big Ten. He was completely dominating Penn State up front. If, in fact, Penn State wins this game by 35, if not for Johnny Newton. Johnny Newton is the only reason Illinois even stayed close in this one. But overall, like, Olufashanu, I see, keep seeing him get pushed back by dudes. And it's like, you're supposed to be like a top five pick, bro. What's going on? And I don't know. I, I think they're going to be really good. I don't, I don't think there's like any alarm bells for Penn State. They're still one of the best teams in the Big Ten. They're going to compete with Michigan. They're going to compete with Ohio State. They've got a shot to win that division. But it's just, I keep waiting for this offense to like look phenomenal. And I have not seen it to this point. Luckily for them, the other two teams in the Big Ten East that we consider title contenders have not looked amazing. Um, do you know who has looked amazing? Notre Dame? Ohio. Oh, the wagon. Dude, wagon. Oh, I'm we, we got more room on this wagon? <laughs> oh, yeah, come on board. Bobcats, and we, we're taking all comers. For you know what Ohio wagon. does not have room for? Points allowed. They have allowed... <laughs> 10 offensive points in the last eight quarters. Yeah. That sound right? Yeah. And dude, let's, let's be real. Like they are three and one. They lost to San Diego state to be clear. When Rourke got knocked out. Yeah. They beat Iowa state 10 to seven today, but they lost to San Diego state. And the only reason they lost to San Diego state was because Rourke got hurt. They would have won that game. If he stays in and plays the full four quarters, Ohio is like a legit, good team i think they're going to win the mac i think if you put them in the big 10 west they would win three or four conference games and maybe go bowling i just think they're really that good i i remember talking to my friend bill Connolly about this this summer and i was like there's no way that this can be like that bad of a defense but also like how much higher can it really be you know i don't know Dude, like they're getting tackles for loss. They're not allowing explosive plays. They're they're getting off the field. It kind of the same thing we talked about with Drake May. If you give him a bunch of chances, that's like eventually he's going to get it. In that league, Curtis Rourke is a true difference maker. I'm also to talk a little more Mac here. Toledo beat San Jose. Miami, Ohio went on the road and beat Cincinnati. Yep. I'm like the most excited about the Mac uh, that I've been in, in some time. Like this is a, this is a pretty fun league now. Like, like we have a legitimate race to see who can win the Mac. Mm-hmm. And it's been a lean few years for that conference. So to see them playing well again, like Maction, once it comes around in November, is probably going to be really fun. And you know what? While we're on the subject, Luke Altmyer is no longer the best QB in the Big Ten West. Curtis Rourke is. Curtis Rourke is the best quarterback in the Big Ten West, if only he played in the Big Ten West. Um, yeah. Going back to the Big Ten, though, though, for a minute, like 
they haven't looked great overall, but I do think today, Ohio State, granted, it was against Western Kentucky, but my theory was just that finally naming Kyle McCord the starter and getting rid of the whole competition and just saying, all right, this is who our guy is. We're going to roll forward. I think everybody knowing their role is important because you have to remember, it's not just McCord and Devin Brown who are competing for the spot and neither one of them having experience. Because like, if you look back when Michigan did this last year with McNamara and McCarthy, both had experience. So it's like, you know, it's not like these guys were being thrown to the wolves for the first time and you had returning play callers on the offense. Ohio State was throwing two QBs out there without experience starting with a new play caller in Brian Hartline. So the fact that they finally just named McCord the starter and let Hartline worry about teaching one QB instead of having to deal with two with different kind of skill sets. I think the results showed up. You can't take too much from Western Kentucky, obviously, but 63 to 10 says a lot. Like that was the best they've looked all year to this point. So I think the Buckeyes are kind of hitting a groove there going forward. Marvin Harrison Jr., five catches, 126 yards. McCord had 318 for three touchdowns. Trevion Henderson had two touchdowns. I think newsflash, the Buckeyes are decent. I am not fully willing to, well, yes, 100% willing to join that they are decent. I'm not entirely sure. And they were crisp, and they took care of what they needed to take care of. So, yes, on all those things, no doubt. I'm not entirely sure that this wasn't about, like, just about the Western's defense is pretty bad, guys. Possible. Yeah, I... I took some Ohio State stuff today, sure. Um, just thinking about how bad Western was. But you still have to go out there and do it, and a lot of teams didn't. Mm-hmm. So they're still really talented. That game next week, we're going to talk about it a ton. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, they're going to play Notre Dame, who once again looked like Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a wagon. Washington is a wagon. They are smoking everybody that they're playing. Sam Hartman threw for another three touchdowns. I think estimate rush for 176 or something close to that. There just is another blowout. And then another blowout. Another team scored at least 60. Oklahoma, 66 to 17 over Tulsa. Dylan Gabriel, 421 yards, five touchdowns and interception. I was joking around because I think he had three or four touchdowns in the first quarter. And it was once again, it's like, dude, this kid is playing way too well. He's going to lose his job. But He's, I don't know. Jackson Arnold only threw four passes. He was two for four for 55 yards and a touchdown. Seems um, good. Like Oklahoma, I we, we have decided we can, I think we can confidently state that when Oklahoma plays a team it's better than, it is going to whip their ass. Yes. They play angry. They play fast. They play like Venables had, had Clemson's defense playing in terms of not as good, but like they really do try the mm. full time. So that that like you you get the max effort out of those guys. And I, I think that's to Venable's credit for sure. They they're making like far fewer of those mistakes that they made last year. Now, granted, you could say competition level, but like last year they were sloppy sometimes against good competition. So mm-hmm. uh I think that's to their credit that, that they're playing better against that. Did we have any thoughts on Nebraska? No. I have not watched that game. Eventually I'll I will watch that tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> They did bench uh, yeah. Jeff Sims. Well, bench or was he unavailable due to being hurt? I don't know. I just saw that he didn't play. I'll find out tomorrow when I watch it on the DVR. All right. Um, Colorado State is on pace for 10 tackles for loss and six sacks. 
If this continues, like, I mean, Shador's got to be the toughest player in America. It, it, like him and Spencer Rattler in a battle. He's going to be sacked seventy-five times this year. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, they're they're missing their center. I know that. What the, I can't remember the kid's name, but Colorado is missing its center, and we've talked about it. Like the depth of this team. Yeah is pretty much non-existent. So for an offensive line that was already struggling to lose one of its starters, things are not going to get better. By the way, speaking of like surprising scores, maybe Kansas and Nevada are tied 10 to 10 in the third quarter. Oh my gosh. And that's a Nevada team that just lost to Idaho by 27 to six, 33 to six, 33 to six. Yeah. Arizona, UTEP, Arizona is up on UTEP. Oh, um, I have some more shout-outs to give. Go for it. I was really impressed with Indiana today. And I know in, in a losing effort, but like Louisville, I think, is a good, not great team. And if you're an Indiana fan, I think you need to be pretty happy. Like, you might have found a quarterback in Taven Jackson. Thought he played pretty well. I like all these transfers you guys took on the defensive line. I think you can win some ball games. Like, not a lot, but but they... They're much better than they were last year. Much they are better. salty up front. Yes. They are very mean and physical, and it's like, ooh. Yeah, no, they, 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 they make me tingly watching them up front on defense. They look really good. I do think I, – I, I'm with you. I think Taven Jackson is something. He's the younger brother, for those who don't know, of Trace Jackson Davis, who was Indiana's best player on the basketball team the last years. So, like, the Jackson family has been very good to the Indiana athletics <laughs> and continues to be. Anybody else you want to shout out? Yeah, uh, Old, Old Dominion for giving Wake a fight, and then Wake for uh, for coming back. O- Old Dominion had two seventy yard defensive touchdowns in this game, and they <laughs> by they the same Wake... player, right? Uh, I they think it's so. the same player. Yeah, that's the problem when you watch on Quad Box. Like you're able to watch a lot of games, but you can only have the sound on for one. So it's like, yeah, that that's a pretty nice little play there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, Wake had to start playing within themselves. They were trying to force stuff way too much early on it seemed like and they finally got it got it together uh let's shout out south alabama who was down i believe their left tackle and their their good receiver and uh what what do we think's going on here with oklahoma state because i thought they were making some positive strides last week when they whipped arizona state in the second half now um shout out to danny he called it he took the South Alabama money line sprinkle. He said he did not like the vibes. He didn't like the way Gundy was going with like the QB line shifts. And yeah, this I I didn't get I didn't get much eyes on that game. I only saw the scores. I was hoping to watch that tomorrow a little bit, but yeah, I don't know what's going on. Like, is what would have to happen for Mike? Uh, is Mike Gundy in any danger? Is what I'm trying to I, ask. If things I asked the guy that I that like I don't have you know a million Oklahoma State sources, but I, I asked the guy who I think would know, and he basically said Gundy has never been more comfortable. Uh, and like the, the guy they hired as AD makes it the word like there's no threat. Hmm. So um, they got still that's that's interesting. They lost 33 to 7 at home to South Alabama. Yeah, dude. And South Alabama is a good Sun Belt team, but you are a big 12 team. With a yeah, lot but of South resources. Alabama's losing some really like they did, they had, they were missing some really key guys there. Like mm-hmm. they don't have good O line depth. They're missing left tackle. They, they 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 lost their good receiver from last year, and they had one good one 
uh, voicing and he's out. I was like, whoa, like these injuries matter. When, when, when I saw the injury report, you know, who I want to give a shit matter. Going to go back to week. Well, I can't remember if it was week zero or week one. I just know it was an awful, terrible, disgusting game between FIU and Louisiana Tech, in which FIU, I, they think they completed five passes for four yards in the passing game. They have since made a QB change, going to Keon Jenkins. And guess who's won three straight, including today, on the road at UConn 24-17, FIU. Shout out to Mike McIntyre, South Panthers. Thank you for getting me the Twitter tip. You know what game we haven't talked about yet? What game? The Backyard Brawl. Oh, how do we? Oh, you know what? Because I I had it above uh, tomorrow's top 25 today. Okay. This the backyard brawl was the backyard brawlingest backyard brawl of oh all time because it was a disgusting, horrible, incredible football game. Absolutely amazing. I mean, just tremendous. So you look at this. I think they both had 211 yards offense. Even that kind of says it all. I mean, we're, we're about to say some more here, but dude. They lose their quarterback, I think, on the first series or, or maybe the second series of the game because Green goes down and, and he's mm-hmm. in a boot. Uh, Nico Marchio comes in, who was like at one point thought of as like a good recruit and then slowly dropped as like, you know, didn't continue to progress necessarily quite as much. Western signs him. He was a really good wrestler, like a tough kid, which perfect for this, you know, yes. uh, th- this, this format. West Virginia was like, all right, what can we bank on? A pretty good offensive line, honestly, like by Power 5 non-Georgia standards, basically. And uh, a good back in Donaldson, and we'll we'll run the ball with the quarterback some and, and see what happens. So that's basically what they did. Oh, and we'll let Phil Dracovic throw us the football. I, again, I said on Twitter, he looks hurt. And everybody on Twitter is like, you're making excuses for this kid. I'm like, yeah, with the exception like that I – I said the same thing, by the way, Colorado State fumble. Uh, I said the same thing on the preview show. Like, I think he looks hurt, but we'll see. Man, it's... I, uh, I want them to play this game every year. Yeah. I want to watch it. I want it to be as awful as it was tonight. I, w- I just want to, like, bathe in it. Because it was, like, ter- when I say it was awful and terrible and disgusting, I mean this in the best way possible. It was just... <laughs> exactly what you would expect from these two teams. It's like, I feel like Pat Narduzzi probably going to go watch the tape of this game, see how terrible his team played, but still feel good about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's Pat Narduzzi's thinking about, Oh, that's definitely better than winning the ACC by scoring 40 points a game. That's exactly what I want my team to be doing. Yeah. Phil Yurkovic, eight for 20, 81 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. Hard to win like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that was brutal, man. That was brutal. All right. Any other games we didn't get to you want to bring up? Does the chat have any that we we actually watched that we need to talk about? Let's see, chat. You got any ideas for us? Have we covered it all for you? They're not yelling at us about anything. That's usually a good sign. Rutgers Rutgers. Rutgers beat Virginia. Rutgers is kind of good. Like, it's not good, but it's kind of good. Rutgers is very good at scoring on long runs off short yardage situations. Yes. I, I think they had two today. They were like, oh, third and one. Here's 50. Good job. Like, right. if, you, 
I mean, I feel like the the winnable games on the schedule have come and gone, but they are three and zero. Rutgers football is three and zero, and you look at the rest of the schedule. Like they they got the win over Northwestern, they got what was it Temple, and today's Virginia Tech. Like they have Wagner left, so that's going to be a fourth win. I don't know if the road against Indiana is as winnable because as we talked about, that's a salty defense with a quarterback who can make things happen. But you look at the rest of the schedule. It's not impossible that this team can get to a bowl game, which if they do, I think is a tremendous step forward for Greg Schiano in this program. On the other side, if I'm a Virginia Tech fan, what in the world do I have to feel optimistic about right now? I, I mean, look, you, you, you can't take the time machine back and, and undo the injuries. And, like, it's very clear right now. Like, what, hell, even Wells, who I don't think is good, is hurt. You got, what, two of your best three receivers are out? Your, your stud tight stud. Your, your good tight end relative to this offense is out. You're, you lost some offensive linemen already off a line that wasn't projected to be good. I've covered teams like this before, Tom. It sucks. I think you have too. We're like, all right, yeah. well, it sucks. They're dead. Still got nine more games to play. I'm going to show up to the press box. I'm going to do my damnedest. I'm going to try to find some interesting stories. I'm going to try to like talk about building for next year. I'm going to try to focus on some bright spots. But you know, maybe they can beat Virginia uh, if, if they get if they get some guys back healthy. I guess. But if they're on the road against Marshall next week. They're probably going to lose that game. Yeah, uh, I, I I think so. Probably. I, it, I will say I thought the. Uh, did you read the Vatek article on Fuente? No. It's it's a long read. I think it's uh, Adelson and Hale. It's worth your time, and I thought it was well timed. Right, mm-hmm. the uh, showing all the different things that were going on there with Vatek at the time, and how big of a hole they have to uh, to build out of. So. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think he's on the hot seat necessarily. No, but. I don't think he should be, but it's, I don't think he should be. I just, it's, it is a rough, rough time for Virginia Tech. And I it just, it's, it's hard to see light at the end of the tunnel anytime this year. It's like you're already looking at 2024, like thinking, hey, maybe we can get to a bowl next year. Like that, that's exactly where you are this quickly into the season. That's not a good place to be. Losing to Rutgers by 19, not a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, while we're in the ACC, before we get going here, I do want to give a shout out to Syracuse. Do we have the Dino drop? We, we we don't have a Dino drop. No, Chip's not here. We don't have any drops. We don't have we don't have Dion asking if we believe. We don't have the Dino drop. We don't have any of it. But Syracuse, like they beat Colgate sixty five to nothing to open the year. You're like, okay, whatever. They beat Western Michigan forty eight to seven. You're like, okay, okay, cool, cool. You, yeah. you crushed a MAC team, but to go on the road and beat Purdue thirty five to twenty, I think this is a and especially now because they got the really bad news earlier in the day that Aronde Gadsden's done for the year, which is is like one of those kind of injuries that you feel like could deflate a team. So for them to follow that up to go get that win on the road, this could be a good Syracuse year. Look, I I thought all this hot seat stuff on Dino was absolutely insane. Anyway, like the guy does a good job with the program. <laughs> yes, I don't know what it's Syracuse. The, the world of college football has changed around it. Like, I, I think like getting them to bowls more often than not is a pretty good accomplishment when your non-conference schedule, you know, is, is what it is, 
right? So to me, like that is that's a I think he does a good job there, man. I I do. And I I I always enjoy talking to him, so I'm biased. But like like he if you ask him questions, he gives you like good insightful answers for the most part. You know, I know he doesn't want to talk injuries, whatever that like, but I I'm not the beat guy there. I I root for the dude. I think he does a nice job. And I, when I saw him in all these hot seat articles, I was like, why? Are they going to go like three and nine? I, I, hopefully not. But I think they can make a bowl. I do. Uh, according to the chat, Travis Hunter is out for the rest of the game and has been taken to a local hospital for observation, which is very oh, bad news for the Buffaloes. He did take a very late, very cheap shot along the sideline. Hopefully that's going to not be, you know, hopefully he's okay. Honestly, um, I, I like Travis, man. So like so I, I'm good. I've been around him a lot. Like I just love. He's just so smart as a player too. Like everybody's like, oh, he's a he's freaky athlete. He is. But like watching him play, and just his body control, and that sucks. That like that that hit that Colorado State kid put on him was complete bullshit. Yes. Like that. We're, we're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're gonna eject for targeting. We're not gonna eject for that. Like that's exactly. Exactly. That's like an uns like unsportsmanlike conduct. But like that's unsporting. Right, like, like you, you hit a guy like way late, you know, like that. I'd be like if in hockey you went over and like just punched a guy on the bench, <laughs> right? Like it's not, that's not okay. Like that, that dude, I, I, to me, unless unless there's a camera angle I don't know about that he thought maybe the guy had, like that maybe Hunter had the ball or something, but assuming that doesn't exist, yeah, yeah, I think they would probably try to show it. Um, that's that sucks. It does um. You should be ejected for that. I, I, like that's that's literally dangerous. We will be back on Monday. Hopefully, we have good news on Travis Hunter by then, and hopefully, everything's okay. Uh, if not, we'll talk about it. And we'll also talk about anything we might not have gotten to tonight because, like we discussed, there is some film you and I we need to crush. We need to go catch up on everything, and then we've got all day Sunday for it. But uh, thank you for all those who watched us live. Thank you for those of you listening to us on the podcast. Now, if you haven't yet and you're still watching live. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe to the channel. We're, we're you know, it, it helps us out tremendously. And, you know, things are going pretty well for us, actually, with our views lately. I don't know if you noticed, bud, but like six of the highest, seven most viewed live shows we've had in the history of the show have all come in the first three weeks of the season. That's the kind of momentum we like, and that's the kind of momentum we want to keep. So please like the channel, subscribe. You'll be the first to find out when we're back on Monday morning at 11, ready to discuss it all. And maybe Chip will be here. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll discover that his weekend away from college football, his life is better for it, and he hates the sport, and he's never coming back. I hope that's not the case, but I can't rule it out. So anyways, bud, let's hope Chip's back on Monday. And thank you for being with me here on a sicko Saturday night. See you, buddy.